were so sweet. And do I have to remind you that you guys have only sat two days? <laughs> and you're already like these little tender <laughs> beings. Courtney is a very old friend of our head student who has come many miles to be with us and support her. Thank you so much. It's right for us to uh, feel connected. Really, that's why we're grieving. Because we feel deeply connected with the truth that this man represented. You know, we all, in our deepest heart, are good. You know, we don't want to make pain for anybody else. We don't want to live in a world where some people are more equal than others. We're good. As Trungpa used to say, you know, we, we have a basic goodness that is more real than any of the conditioned, um, <laughs> as we like to say, any more real than our ancient twisted karma. We are not that. We're not that. Not one of us. Not even a little bit. in the place of uh, emptiness, in a deep, um, in our deepest heart of hearts, in our place of emptiness, out of which flows love. It's what we are. Everything else is just a mistake on our part. (laughs) That we pay for. Just a misperception on our part. We just forget for a moment who we really are. And stopping and sitting down and being quiet, we can see what hinders our true nature from being manifest. If you were looking at a child 
any child. And that child uh, made the mistakes that you make, right, that we make. Or if that child got angry in the way that we get angry, or hated in the way we hate, or got jealous in the way we get jealous, or felt like a failure in the way we feel like a failure, or felt like their life was not enough, which no child thinks. (laughs) (laughs) You have to grow up to think that. (laughs) You would love that child. You saw a child in pain, just like we're in pain. You would love that child. There would be no other response, unless you were that child's parent, in which case sometimes. (laughs) But it's only because you were parented in a kind of a iffy way. (laughs) Otherwise, there would be no part of you that would not respond in a way that was healthy in a way that communicated your unconditional love for that little being who was having such a hard time. Like I said the other day, or I think some Saturday ago, the outer, uh, the war, the struggle that sometimes people have to be victim of, really, in society. And that's happening now all over the world. It's just a mirror, really. A, a, a distorted mirror, you know, an unfortunate, <laughs> massively unfortunate mirror of the struggle and the fight that we have inside. We don't accept ourselves inside. <laughs> and there's this fight. This is great, I I think I told you this before, this is a great Native American story. I did, I told you before. This young girl goes up to her grandfather and says, see, I forgot the story, I know the punchline. (laughs) And says something like, Oh, something like, there are two parts of me, and one of them wants to do good, and the other one doesn't want to do good, and I, and I have this struggle inside. I'm struggling inside. What am I supposed to do? What happened, you know? And the grandfather says, yes, that's right. You have, there are two wolves inside you. One wolf is the good wolf, is that right? 
the kind wolf, and the other wolf is the unkind wolf? No. Anyway, two wolves. And you're right, and inside they, they are, they're having a fight. They fight. And she said, well, tell me, you know, which one is going to win? And he said, the one that you feed. So, the world, I, I hope this isn't true, but the world will never find peace unless we, each individual, makes peace with ourselves inside first. Then we have a chance. And it depends on which wolf we feed, or crow, or oxen, or elephant, depending on what your particular totem is. So if it really is true, then, that in our... I think we all know this. Even people who really have trouble liking themselves in any way, I think when sometimes... I think, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure about this. But I think even you know, when you're alone, like in the forest, you know, <laughs> you know I, I think you, even if it's hard, I think you know about, we know about ourselves that we're good inside. So if we think that, if we know that somewhere in there, if we know that to be true, why don't we why don't we behave that way? Why do we have such difficulty? Well, I propose that the reason we have difficulty is because we're seeing, we're misperceiving the world in the present moment. We misperceive the world in the present moment. We think we're separate, and it's not true. We think we have an enemy, not true. We think someone is better than we are, not true. If we were truly able to be in the present moment, we could see clearly that our original nature is one of openness, connectedness, generosity, joy. So what prevents us from being present? When you're sitting on your cushion, 
tonight, tomorrow, the next day, the next day. (laughs) What prevents you from being present? It's a good thing to think about it now. What prevents you from being present? You know, I think, what I'm going to say. They're the hindrances. Before I talk about the hindrances, I want to say something else about what you guys are doing. You know, when we started together, being together and studying Buddhism together, I started asking you guys to look at particular thought and particular emotion and then process that with rain. You know what I'm talking about, right? Particular thoughts that are difficult, particular emotions that are difficult, particular sensations in the body that are difficult. But now I wanted to suggest that instead of looking at particular thoughts, look at the, what can I call this? Look at the, um, look at the mind instead. So for example, if you have a thought that says, I'm good, and you have another thought that says, I'm not good, and you can't decide where to land, don't worry about where to land. Look at the mind that's going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Do you know what I mean? Look at that mind. So for example, um, if you're having a struggle, I, I I'm jealous, I shouldn't be jealous. Or, I hate this person, I shouldn't hate this person. Don't worry about whether you hate the person or don't hate the person. Look at the mind that's struggling. Okay? Okay? So I'm I'm asking you, instead of looking at specifics, because you're getting pretty good at handling the specifics. So now begin to look at the mind. Look at the mind of resistance no matter what it is. Look at the ping-pong mind, you know? Look at the mind that's seeking. This is greed, one of the hindrances. Look at the mind that's not satisfied with whatever insight you have. You have to go deeper, right? This wherever I'm at is not good enough. I have to go deeper. This is a spiritual grasper mind. Okay, you know, look at the mind that, uh, look at the, whenever the mind moves, watch to see how it's recreating itself. Do you understand what I'm talking about? No, parents. That's what I wanted to tell you. (laughs) You know, I used to tell you that, um, I I used to tell you this a long time ago, but I'm not sure that you heard that. I remember when I used to say, like, the egoic structure, like when Trungpa used to say that struggle was the egoic structure, right? 
And so watch the, watch the nature of mind that uses the different kinds of thoughts for its own machinations. You understand what I'm saying? So what prevents us from being present classically, according to the Buddha, are the hindrances, and this is how he talks about them. And I think, you know, I've talked about them a number of times. I talk about them every time we do retreat, so (laughs) I don't think I have to talk about them specifically. Um, Just in case you forget. Um, Greed, the way he talks about it, is sensual desire. Greed. Greed is for anybody who has a sense that life as it is, as it comes, as, as it has come to be for them, is not good enough. So greed is yours. Aversion is just another way of thinking about greed. Right? Sloth, people who go like this. When you sit. I saw three people that yesterday stood up in the Zen. is very good. Thank you very much. Stand up if you're going like this. Restlessness. Too much energy. Distraction. And then doubt. And doubt... So I'm going to read... This is... <laughs> Buddha gives an example, a simile, about the five hindrances, which I think is really um, a good picture. So what you do, so think of a bowl of water, okay, bowl of water. So he says, sense desire is like pouring colored dye into the bowl of water. It co- this is the important thing. It colors one's perceptions. Now, you may not believe me, but if you've ever fallen in love, think back. <laughs> think back. All of the idiosyncrasies, when you first fall in love, they're so cute, this person. <laughs> they're so sweet, he doesn't leave his trashy socks on the floor. <laughs> I, I don't know, I'm making it up. But then, actually, when you're in a relationship, the very things that were so adorable you know, become... <laughs> Because what has happened is, because when you have sexual desire, you change reality. This, my, oh, excuse me, I shouldn't say it. He'll listen to my talk. <laughs> you, change, <laughs> you change reality. So for whoever it is that you feel like you want to be with becomes the most beautiful person in the entire world. Changes how we see things. Changes our perceptions. So it's like putting dye in water. It colors the water. What he says about aversion, he says, then the water is brought to a boil. So when it's heated up to anger, anger is a lot of energy. It heats everything up. It's very energetic. And the water gets all bubbly, and you can't. it's not reflected clearly. Sloth and torpor when the bowl is covered over with algae. <laughs> Can't see it all. And restlessness is when the water is being windswept. 
with worry agitated, it obscures our clear seeing. Of course, this is true. But listen to what he says to doubt. Listen to what he says about doubt. Doubt is when the water is muddy and everything is obscured altogether. <laughs> That's why doubt is so extraordinarily destructive, because it prevents you from practicing. And it's, if, if any of you guys have doubt, you know, please come talk, because sometimes it's just too much and the person goes away, you know? Because, you know, it's true that the, in the beginning of practice, it takes maybe around at least two years, at least, it took me way longer than that, It's just mechanical. It's just mechanical. You just need to make sure the mind is present. It's mechanical. It's not even spiritual. Just take the mind and bring it to the present moment. And if a person doesn't have an experience that that works for them in any way, let's say they're not consistent, they don't have an experience, they don't have any faith that, that the practice works, they leave. It's not going to work for me. I don't like the teacher. Not good enough. You know, I'm not good. I don't do it well. It's insidious doubt is a horrible thing. So if you have doubt, come talk. Sometimes just to talk it out is enough. When you hear yourself, sometimes that's enough. Or if you see someone who has the same, or who had the same misery years ago, and now they don't have that misery. And sometimes, like I saw um, Suzuki Roshi, you know. Of course, at the time I saw Suzuki Roshi, first of all, I didn't know that he had um, suffered the way I suffered, because it never occurred to me that he would have. (laughs) Oh, dear. I was a mess, really. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't unhappy. I mean, I had a terrific life in so many ways. I don't know why I thought I was such a schmuck. <laughs> but I did. I had everything, you know. And so you have to grieve. This is an aside, but what time is it? (laughs) You have to grieve the life that you didn't have. You really do. If you're a certain age and you don't have kids, and even vaguely you thought you should have had kids in some way, you have to grieve the path you didn't take. It's important to do that. Because almost everybody is not the incredible whatever you were going to be as potential when you were a child. (laughs) Very few people actually... Oops, is that not a good thing to say? (laughs) (laughs) But if you didn't turn out to be like a, you know, a blossoming daisy, (laughs) if you ended up being a tulip, that's okay too. Because they're just as good, right? It's just that if you had become a daisy, maybe, you know, that would have been a wonderful daisy, but you had to suffer this suffering in order to become a tulip. 
And most of us have to go through the suffering. And then we become this tulip. It, it's not a daisy, but it's a great tulip. <laughs> Am I encouraging you in any way? <laughs> You do know, of course, that you need to have a stable mind to do this practice, right? Precepts? And continuity of mindfulness. Have to do it. I wanted to give you an... Oh, how to practice with the hindrances. This is good. I should do this. So the most important way that we work with the hindrances is, of course, with mindfulness. So what is mindfulness? Not that you don't already know, but just to remind you. Mindfulness is simply being present with what is happening, knowing what is happening as it's happening without judgment. And if there's judgment, what's happening is judgment. So you know there's judgment happening when it's happening. And that's Enough. That's being mindful. And we have to develop continuity of mindfulness, not just on the cushion, but all day long. That's why we work in the kitchen. That's why we do work practice, and so on. Mindfulness, necessary. Four foundations of mindfulness. It's a class we all have to take. And then RAIN. You all know about RAIN. If you don't, come talk to me. I won't, I won't say it again. I, I say it all, so much. Noting is another very good way. And of course, what we're trying to do here is just get a crack of separation between the hindrance and your being able to watch the hindrance. So that's what all of these methods are trying to do. We're just trying to make a little crack. Remember, I said with thought is not a problem. Whatever thought you have is not a problem. It's workable. Thought with emotion is not a problem. It's workable. You have to be a little bit more stable in mind. Your your mindfulness has to be really strong. Still workable. Thought plus emotion plus belief, and you've lost. Okay? So the belief means there's no crack. There's no space. You've bought into the event. Okay, so all of these techniques are simply about a little bit of a crack. Just separate a little bit. And you're able to watch what's happening. So even if you be like whatever it is, the hindrance that you're being, anger, let's say, or verse, or resistance, if there's a little crack and you're watching yourself be that, your practice is perfect. And you know what? Even if there's no crack and you actually bought into the thing, it's still okay if you know that you've lost. Okay? Because sometimes we lose. You know, sometimes the demon wins. But if you know that you've lost, pretty tricky. (laughs) Um, Impermanence is another way. 
if you know, if just somewhere in you knows that whatever is happening now is going to change, it's another way. So if, if restlessness is there, if you just are able to know that at some point it's, the energy is going to pass by, is helpful. Or you can investigate, what actually is restlessness? How do I feel restlessness? What are the thoughts that go along with restlessness? What comes underneath restlessness? What triggers restlessness? How do I exhibit restlessness? Just investigate. That's another way of making a little bit distance. Another way of doing it is to describe it in detail. How does grasping feel? This is really a good one. If you're sitting in meditation and everything is going okay, and all of a sudden you think it should be different, just feel yourself leaning forward. Even if you're not physically leaning forward, your energy is leaning, leaning into the next moment. It feels, you can feel it. It won't let you just settle into the present moment. You're leaning. It could be a little whisper. Sometimes these things are unconscious. I want. I want. I'm going to get. (laughs) I have to have it. So. So it's good when you keep sitting, like tomorrow, if you run into one of these hindrances that prevent you from being present. The first thing is to know that that's happening. And if by the fourth period, or the fifth period tomorrow, or the sixth period tomorrow, you finally release yourself from whichever hindrance is your fallback default mode, and your mind begins to settle, and there's even, there's a wisp of stillness. Allow yourself to rest there. Just allow yourself to abide in the silence of your true nature. Let yourself be bathed in the goodness that you are. And it's a goodness that's not opposed to badness. It's not like goodness, badness. It's not like that. Please um, 
take care of yourself really well. You know, when you go home, if you have family or people there, you know, relate. Just be, try to be mindful. And if you have no one home, just try to be, just be quiet. Try to maintain your mindfulness. The more continuity you manage to have, the easier things are. If your body's a little bit achy, listen to it. Sit in a chair. Adjust your cushions. Investigate pain. See if there's resistance. Our way is not to gain anything. We don't need to gain anything. We need to be awake. We don't have to struggle. We don't have to fight. Just wake up as is. Just wake up. So please continue to make the effort that you're making now. I, I, I don't think I, I need to convince you. I think you already know that every single one of you is important here. Every single one of us makes this retreat. So please take care of yourself. For yourself first, and then for your partners. Okay? So have a good night. I'm, we'll sit first. Thank you for listening to this podcast offered by the Brooklyn Zen Center. Our programs are given free of charge and made possible by the donations we receive. For more information on supporting Brooklyn Zen Center, please visit the giving section of brooklynzen.org.